I'm Lauren. And I'm Ashley. And this, guys, is Nip Tuck Pod. We are your girl chat. We say the things you want to hear, the things that you're thinking but you don't want to say out loud. And we're all about being strong, aspirational women who basically don't give a... Uh, Lauren, anyway, if you want unfiltered chat, amazing beauty and product recommendations, then look no further, guys. This is the podcast where you will get all of the girly chat. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, private partners, uh, it's me, Jamie here. Uh, how you doing? Uh, so uh, listen, I just wanted to intro you to a brand new podcast uh, that I have launched called Move. Uh, now, Move stands for Motivation, Opportunity, Vision, Entrepreneurship. And each week, uh, my business partner, Ed Williams, and I will interview a different successful person in their own right. Uh, now, these people are founders, they're entrepreneurs. They're athletes, they're artists, they're musicians, they're all different types of people. And it's basically to understand their story of success. Uh, and success doesn't mean they have to be rich. They don't have to be uh, have a successful business. They're just successful in their own right. It's basically to motivate you every single Monday morning when we release it. We've done a whole bunch of episodes. We're really proud of it. We really love it. Um, the response has been amazing. But I wanted to send it out to you guys to hopefully, uh, if you love private parts, you're going to love this one. And also what we're doing is we're going to uh, release an episode for you right now with the lovely Joe Malone. Joe Malone is a a hugely inspirational person. Um, she started Joe Malone. She now has Joe Loves. Um, and her story is pretty fantastic. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Now, if you want to follow us, please follow us um, on our Instagram at Move Club. And if you want to email us, please email us at move at moveclub.co.uk. But for now, this is our brand new podcast. Make sure you subscribe, comment, do all the things you love. If you love private parts, you're going to love this one. Here's Joe Malone on Move. And welcome to Move, a podcast which is hosted by me, Jamie Lang, and my business partner, Ed Williams. Now, in 2012, Ed and I founded our confectionery business, Candy Kittens, a business which I'd actually dreamed of having ever since I was six years old. And honestly, we wouldn't have achieved half of what we've been able to without all the amazing tips and advice we picked up along the way. Move stands for Motivation, Opportunity, Vision, Entrepreneurship. And each episode of the podcast, we're bringing you the stories of founders, innovative thinkers, entrepreneurs, and winners who show us all what's possible with hard work and focus. So whatever you're moving towards, we hope today's guests will open your eyes to what you can achieve. This is Move. Hello, lovely people, and welcome to the very first episode of Move. Ed, give us a little whoop whoop. Whoop whoop. Oh, I'm so <laughs> excited. We did it, buddy. We did we it. We did it. We're here. We finally made it. Uh, why don't you intro our first guest? With pleasure. So... What an awesome, awesome guest we've got to kick things off. None other than 
the absolutely amazing Joe Malone, CBE. Now, Joe is an incredible person. Uh, she grew up in a council house in Bexley Heath in Kent. She had severe dyslexia and left school without any qualifications, but still went on to create businesses like Joe Malone London and Joe Loves. Not only did she overcome so many things in her life, she also overcame cancer, which is an incredible story in itself. An inspiring, wonderful, glorious person to have on the podcast. So true. I mean, some of those challenges that I think Joe has overcome is probably fair to say for, for most people would be the end of the road. But actually, Joe's approach to life, her energy and, and and positivity, general outlook is just so inspiring. But also, Ed, she's such a good storyteller. Great know? storyteller. We the, could sit there and talk to her for hours and hours. But the whole point of the podcast is for people to inspire, to be inspired, for people to go out there and follow their dreams. And Joe, when did that? She did exactly that. Um, I'm really excited about this. I'm so happy we're launching with Joe. Um, Ed, why don't you kick off the podcast? Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Malone, CBE on Move. Joe, how are you? I'm in a really good, happy place, thank you. I think I've probably, I'm probably at the, the most happiness I've ever been for a very long time. It's funny though, because uh, a lot of people, you know, when we were younger, right, we always talk about, we speak about this a lot, Ed, is how if you had a wish, you would wish to be a footballer or be the most famous person. But actually, as you grow up, all you would wish for is happiness. And I think that's the most important thing in life. I agree with that. Absolutely. 110%. I think we, sometimes we think that happiness comes from another person or, and, or, the greatest job or having money or having success being back. It doesn't. Happiness comes from that sense of when you look at yourself in, you, in the mirror and you think, well done, girl. You know what? You, you did it. And I mean, I'm a woman in my 50s. I've, I've come through a lot of different hurdles in life, just like all of us do. But I've come to that point of realising that the moment is what really counts. Right now, right at this moment, living in this moment is what really counts. And... Um, yeah, I'm proud I survived. It's interesting you say that, right? Because I heard this thing the other day that someone said that the past is uh, for feeling sad. The future is for anxiety. Can't change the past. So it just makes you upset if you try and change it. The future is about anxiety because you don't know what's going to happen. So you can't predict it. So it's going to make you anxious. And actually being living in the present and being happy with mm. where you are is the most important process that you have to actually learn and be able to do within yourself. I think, I think the things that happen to us, we learn from the past. We learn the things that we want to do or that we don't want to do. The future is about, I mean, I'm always dreaming about the future. I visualise it and I walk towards that goal and that dream. But today is the path that I get to that dream. So I have to put one foot in front of the other. And, um, and I think today is the day to celebrate. Today is the day to work hard. The day is today is right now. And I, I've tried really hard in the last few years to live in the moment and I think my biggest lesson as I was growing up and coming through was I didn't celebrate the moment. I was always so intent on getting to the next level and do the next thing, I forgot to celebrate the moment. And in the last couple of years, I've really learned that that is, like as a company, on a Friday, we gather everyone together and we have what's called Pink Friday and we have a glass of rosé and we have lunch together. <laughs> and we celebrate just for 20 minutes and we yeah. celebrate the moment and you know what it, it what it does is it brings a sense of purpose family and a sense of celebration amazing I think that's so key right and that sense of purpose right that's what I think uh, I sort of had to figure out growing up is that having a sense of purpose is actually what makes you happy um, and I feel like you ever since you were younger you always sort of had a purpose and you always had a sort of drive and ambition to do things and what were you like growing up what were you like as a child so I didn't have a purpose in in the beginning did you not my purpose was uh, maybe it was to survive mm -hmm. I came from a council estate to up to down I came from two uh, I had two parents who were amazing but very creative and I was the adult from the age of 11 so it was up to me to make sure that there was... We used to have gas and electric meters under... And I know I don't look that old, but <laughs> we really did. And you used to put coins in to get gas and electric. And I remember I would always hide money over the, around the house to ensure that if there was nothing, I could put the gas and the light on and cook something. Um, so my purpose was to survive. And I remember as a young... Uh, I remember a really powerful moment in my life I was standing in my bedroom and it had been um, snowing outside and there was all you didn't have central heating either 
sound like, sound like Hoversad, <laughs> don't I? Yeah, yeah. And I'd scraped the ice off of the, off of the window and I was looking out and I promised to myself, and I must have been about 10, 11, I promised myself that I would get out of that life and I would never return. And no matter what I had to do to get myself out of that, I would find a way. And I, and I can remember that moment. And I often think back to that little girl and think, if you had known at that moment where you'd go on to, where, so my purpose was yeah. to get myself out of that situation. But it was interesting because, um, and you sort of been open about this, you know, your mum was a beautician, um, isn't, isn't that right? And your mm-hmm. dad was an artist. Yes. And you grew up in this council estate. And as you said, your mum fell very sick and your dad, uh, he was. you said he was a gambler, ga- is that right? He was, a, he was gambler. a gambler. And so you did, you had to become an adult from a very yeah. young, uh, from a teenage age, which mm. meant that you missed out on all of those years of growing up, having fun, developing mm. as a child and doing all those different adventures. But do you think that taught you discipline and taught you how to you know, run life and understand what you have to do to get places and showed you a sense of, right, in order for me, as you said, as that child sitting by the window watching the snow outside and going, I'm going to get out of here. Did that give you your drive to start mm. becoming an entrepreneur, start your business and start your brand? <clears throat> yes, I think, I think one of the great things I believe in life is nothing is wasted. And it doesn't matter who we are and where we come from, eventually, eventually, life will roll out and you'll see the purpose of it all. And I and you don't, as a child, you don't choose, do you? I think as a young, a little girl, I learned more in life what I didn't want than what I did want. Now, when you're a child, you just, you know, you imagine, you dream. And so your life is all about very positive things. Mine was slightly different where I knew what I didn't want. So I kind of narrowed that down and thought, I don't want to gamble. I've never gambled in my life Mm because I watched my father literally play poker and gamble away everything. But he was a a genius man as well. He was a brilliant (laughs) artist and a magician and I adored who he was. Um, And my mum was just, she was hopeless with money. So I have never in my life been in debt. Mm. Um, I understand the responsibility. I was a carer from the age of 11, 12 years old. It was up to me. You know, I remember the time when when the doctor said, your mum is going to go into a home and you and your sister need to go into care. And I talked my way out of that situation. I can't remember what I said now, but whatever it was. So you were selling even back then at 11, you were kind I, of yeah, in I, sales I can't, mode to get I was about 12, 12, 13, and I was, uh, you know, quite savvy. Yeah. Um, but, 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 but sorry, do you, do you know what's interesting? You're 12, 13 years When I was 12, 13 years old, I was saying I don't want to eat peas with my shepherd's pie. I mean, that's literally how what I was doing. I had no idea about life. I uh, had no idea, you know, I didn't know how to change my bed. You know, I was very kind of in a, put into a place where everything was done for me and, uh, you know, incredibly privileged and all these kind of things. And being 12, 13, I consider that so young, but to have to take control of life, Mm. that must be really hard. But at the time, maybe you didn't realise that. Mm, No, I don't, I don't regret. If I had my life all over again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of that. I really wouldn't. It made me who I am. Um, and I had, and I've always found my glass has always been half full in my life, always, always. And I don't think there's anything wrong in being, I mean, the way I've raised my family is very similar to the way you've grown up. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong in that. You know, I love being a mum. I love making the bed and cooking Friday night dinner and Sunday lunch and all of those things. And I wouldn't want my son to grow up in the way that I did. But the reality is we are who we are. We're born into a family and a world, and we have to pick up. It's, it's like a bit like a poker game when you think about mm-hmm. it. You're given us a, a round of cards, and it's up to you to play that round. And you can bluff your way through, or you know that you've got, you know, royal flush in your hand and all of that. So I played the cards that were given me, and I made the very best out of those. And I would, I appreciated creativity. I think that's been a really big part of my life. Um, I appreciated it, my father, and I learned how to tell stories. And so I knew how to sell something. I think that probably, and I think you do as well. (laughs) Without it, it doesn't matter where we come from. So the first thing I sold was paintings. And then I bought T-shirts and I did designs on them and I sold those. And I made face creams. I learned from my mom I would watch. And um, what what no one realised when I was at school, I'm severely dyslexic. So they told me I was lazy and stupid. I was neither one of those things, and I knew it, but I couldn't learn like everybody else. So I had to find my means of 
communication, my language. And, and I found that when I sold something, something happened to me inside. I found purpose, that word again. I found I was motivated and I knew that it gave me the power to get out of the situation I was in. And when you talk to entrepreneurs, that's often the moment, whether you're Ralph Lauren singing, selling tyres from the back of your car or, you know, somebody sitting in a marketplace, you have that power because you think, I've got something and it becomes a currency. And that's I think it's really happens. interesting how overlooked that kind of sales power is. Um, for me, it's very kind of... Uh, Hits a chord. I grew up around my dad. My dad always had his own shop and and was the most amazing salesperson and still is. He still works in the shop today. And the buzz that you sell? kind of see, he sells menswear. Oh. And the buzz that you see in his face and his mm. eyes light up when he's got that sale and he can see he's got someone. It's just the most amazing thing. And loads of people come to work for us at Candy Kittens and kind of almost there's a negative stigma attached to being a salesperson. I think it's kind of got that. You think of salespeople, you think of sort of dodgy car salesmen and mm-hmm. estate mm-hmm. agents and everything. But Pushy. the power that has, mm. I think, is, yeah, really the power of persuasion is quite important for an well, entrepreneur. It, it, yeah, and it opens up so many different avenues for you. You know, if you can sell something, you can do a lot of different things. You don't have to be sitting on that sales floor or sitting on a telephone. Yeah. You can you can sell your, your idea to the bank. You know, if you... I mean, let, let's go back to being great storytellers, truthful storytellers. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think that being, uh, you know, you are an amazing storyteller. And that's, so, that's such a great quality to have because we live in a day and age now that a lot of people don't communicate and they look on their phones and they don't chat to one another and all these different things. And it's so interesting you said about dyslexia because I, I exactly the same. I was told I was stupid. I wasn't clever. I was disruptive in school, all those different things. And do you think you're... You know, your as you said, your dad was an artist. Your mum was a beautician. Um, you were dyslexic, and normally, when people are dyslexic, they normally have a more creative mind. They have mm. to sort of find different avenues, as you said, to be able to do something else. And all of those combined sort of drove you probably towards your sort of creation and creating your brands that you've created. Do you think, though, becoming an entrepreneur was uh, to find a purpose, that word again, or to be validated by other people to say, look, I'm not stupid, I can make this happen? Or was it to escape the world that you were in? All three of those, I think. I, I mean, even <clears throat> even listening to you say that, I've never looked at it as proving... I believe that we are defined by our own dreams and often people define themselves, especially young people today, by other people's opinions of them. I mean, social media as wonderful as it is, is as destructive as it is wonderful. And so you read something about yourself and you think, well, that's who I am. Well, that's not necessarily who you are. You are your own dreams. You should define yourself. And I think in that beginning, I could have allowed that situation, standing on my chair in that classroom, being told in front of everybody I was lazy and stupid. And and there's, there's there's a single moment where my sock drifted down my leg and I can remember it. I can remember the feel of it and the humiliation. I could have allowed that to define me. That was someone else's opinion. They had no idea this jewel that lay within me. And I believe dyslexia was this incredible ability to think differently. I don't believe, it's never been a disability for me. I still can't tell my left from my right. I can't fill out a form. I can't, if you asked me to read something, I would struggle. Letters move around on the page. But I had something that no one else, I had a sense of smell that was going to change the world. And young people today need to realise everybody has that jewel, everybody. You just have to find it. I couldn't agree more. I have this big theory that every single person has a superpower. It's just about finding what your superpower is. And it's so true to a lot of the young people who will be listening to this. Um, you know, they will be struggling in different areas and, and make sure that doesn't define you. Because uh, you, when you're in that situation, like you said, is you were that little girl with the sock falling down, you were humiliated in front of all of your class. That doesn't define you at all. But at the moment, you think it does. And that's sort of a sort of scary mm. moment. Mm. But you were then, so you grew up in this cancer state. You had uh, your mum and dad, your mum felt very ill. You then decided to go and follow your sense of smell. And you wanted to go and create these sort of bath oils and smells and fragrances and things like that. How did you even begin to do that? Because as we know very well, even in the current climate of you know, education, no one teaches about being an entrepreneur. <laughs> they teach you Latin and geography and geology, which I got a U in. Who cares about geology? At least you got a U. I didn't get anything. <laughs> Who cares about geology? But you, you saw something and you knew something. How did you get to that place and how did you begin everything? So I started my first uh, skincare clinic and I was, I was, 
my early 20s. I was newly married. I'd married Gary. Gary is a huge part of my success, by the way. Everyone always thinks it's me. It ne- it's never you on your own. It, he was a huge part of it. But anyway, that's, a, that's a, another story. But I'd watched, because of my dyslexia, I watch and I mimic and I, my, my memory is really good, really, so careful, really good. <laughs> uh, and I'd watched and I had this ability to touch a, a face cream. I mean, I'd made face creams from the age of seven years old. I knew the, so I'd done chemistry. But and I'd this done is something it, that growing up with your mum yeah. and, yeah, okay. And Madame Labati, so who taught my mum. Yeah, so we want to talk was about a, that. She that was an amazing, amazing woman. But she taught me how to touch something and smell. So she encouraged that sense of smell. And I knew how to put things together. I, I'm, I'm not a perfumer. I'm not, I didn't do all the years of training. But I, I, my senses are all muddled. So I see colour and I smell something. And so I've used that ability to think differently, to build something that changed the world. And bath oils, I, in the beginning, when I first created fragrance, I didn't have a spirit licence, so I couldn't put it into alcohol. I did try with vodka one day, I remember, <laughs> with a bottle. Um, and uh, so I could put it into oils and I could put it into lotions and I would sell them. And, and that, you know, that single moment. So I was running the skincare clinic and the clients that would come and they were the good and the great of the world. And they would, um, I'd give them a little bottle of bath oil to say thank you. And it was the moment that just... So rewind a, just a little bit there, Joe. You, you set up your own skincare clinic. Yeah. How did you kind of go about that? Um, I had 10 clients to begin with because I'd grown up in that environment. So yeah. I knew, you know, I'd, I knew how to massage. And that was I knew in London? To, yes. I rented a tiny little apartment. We had just enough money for one month's rent. And the uh, the woman I was renting it from said, no, I need three months and six months deposit. And I said, I just, I just don't have it. And I managed to talk her around. And I said, I give you my word, I'll never be late. And as soon as I have the money, I'll pay it. And I did, and I stayed there. In fact, I still own it today. I couldn't part with it. But we moved in. We had no money for furniture or curtains. It was just a massage bed. Two two boxes of plastic bottles, four plastic jugs, a saucepan, oils and fragrances, and about 12 clinic sheets. And that's how I started. Ten clients. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> that's really... But did you have... I suppose when you were doing something like that, did you have a vision? Because everyone always says, right, in life you need to have a destination. You work your way back from there. You know, you didn't, did you have a destination? Did you know where you wanted to go? Or was it just you just going, right, I know I have the sense of smell. I know what I love and I'm interested in. And I'm just going to go with it. Or was it kind of just you had to find your feet as you went? No, I I, I had no strategy or five-year plan. I had a five-minute plan probably, which was always to get to the end of the week and be able to pay the rent. I think because of my upbringing and my background, I was really scared of debt. Mm-hmm. So I never wanted to owe money to anybody. But what I did, do, what it's in the book, but um, I actually inherited my mother's debt, which was thousands and thousands of pounds, which I had to pay off at the same time. And, and again, you know, sometimes people look at people who are successful and think oh, they've got it all, they had it so easy. I'm telling you, I didn't. But I honoured. I shook my hand and I said, I promise you. And it was £450 every single month, which is why we never had any money to put down as a deposit because I was paying off her debt. It was £30,000. I mean, it was... I was That's 20. a huge amount back then. I mean, and, and it's that's a huge also, amount now. Yeah, yeah it's a huge amount now for sure. But, you know, even, you know, you were in your 20s then. And so that was, you know, and so, so it's, it's, it's a huge amount of money, like I said now. But also paying your rent, paying that, trying to start a business, trying to run everything else. And I never borrowed a penny. I never borrowed right. a penny. But, so, but that is what is so interesting as well, because I think that when anyone goes into a business or starts a brand, uh, they, the biggest thing they worry about is money and how they're going to start it. And, and money is oxygen, because unfortunately, we live in a world where you need money in business in order to breathe. And why were you so adamant? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. <laughs> well, you, you, well, so counter me, but how? Because mm. normally, what, my understanding is, and I think the biggest struggle that we had at Candy Kittens um, was the fact that we were always trying to find money because we kept running out of it, mm. and that was our bigger issue. Mm. And I thought that when we first went into it seven, eight years ago, you would sell a suite or you'd sell a T-shirt that would bring you money, and then you could go from there. But that wasn't the case. Mm. But with your story, you were always so aware that you never wanted to borrow anything. And was that because you were so worried about losing other people's money? It was just being in debt, as you said. Being in debt. I mean, I think after I cleared that debt, and I've I've still got the letter from the bank that said this debt is is over. 
And and the man who who was the bank manager at the time is is I sat and had a, a glass of wine with him the other day, and he said, "God, I I can't believe that you did that." But I did, and that and that was, and I think still for me there is that feeling like when you're growing a business, for instance, when you start out in the beginning, and you have this little pool of money and you do so much with it, then you get bigger and more successful, and suddenly you need more money for a little bit of success. It never makes quite that much sense to me and we need a bigger team to do that it's like you don't always need that you just need to think differently and often people when they're starting a business and they're getting to that point where they need investment they will sell part of the equity of their company way before they need to your equity is your inheritance of your future and they will sell part of the equity for the money that they're just going to get them through six months to a year then they get through that year and then they think to themselves now we need a bit more and you've sold too much of your inheritance in the beginning. So what I would say is, and, and listen, with Joe Loves, we're at that point of what do we do now? Do we partner with somebody? Do we? But I'm at a point where my inheritance is 100% mine. And as we move forward, I know what I'm prepared to give away in order for some form of investment, whatever that, that is, or partnership or whatever. But never, ever, ever think that money is the answer to grow your business. It's not. It's really interesting. I think that's such a key point to understand for our listeners is that um, equity is cheap. And that's why people can give it away because they go, well, I'll give you this equity for this money, but you can never get that back. And mm. that's what my stepfather, uh, you know, my mentor and Ed's, you know, and Ed's one of Ed's people who's, who's sort of driven our business. He's always said with equity, Keep hold of it because, as you said, very rightly, it's your inheritance. It's what's valuable at the end of it. And if you give it away, you can never get it back. And perhaps you go through these tricky times, but make sure you keep hold of it. What I suppose that uh, where you sort of grew worldwide fame is Joe, what is now Joe Malone London. Mm. And you used your name when you set up that brand. Do you think that, why did you choose to use your own name? I didn't. I, I, I have to. I, I'd like to say I was really smart, and clever, and I wasn't. It was that was the name of that was me and everything I did. So when I did my little pronto print labels of uh, in the beginning, it just had my name on it. So it was. It felt completely natural. I never assumed in a million trillion years, five years after opening that first shop, I was going to sell to the biggest global corporation in the world. And then lesson here: none of us have a crystal ball. None of us can tell what's going to happen in the future. I didn't know I was going to sell it and sell my name and all the things that were going to happen from that. You know, I was just I was just creative. I never never dreamed it would be as successful as it was. But this is such a lesson. When you do use your name with a brand, there are, you do have to think of the long term. Now, now I've come through it. I can hand back the wisdom of the things that I learned. You do have to think, what if I sold my business one day? Because your name is part of that. So part of me will always belong to Estee Lauder, the brand that I built. And we've both now, you know, come through that that time, you know, starting another brand, doing it all over again. But I'm still Joe. I'm very used to it now. But after I left, I lost my identity completely. I didn't know who I was, where I was going, who was I, who, who was I? And that is a, is a really thing. So if you attach your name to your brand, you have got to realise if you sell it or part of it, that person will own part of you forever. I think that's a really kind of important one because so many people when they're starting out in the business think, oh, that's the idea. I'm going to go and sell this. I'm going to make millions and that's going to be me. And then I'll be happy going back to the kind of first point we talked about. But I've heard you talk before, Joe, about how you felt when you sold the business mm. and that kind of moment and perhaps... It isn't that kind of big pot of gold that everybody thinks about. Uh, no, no, when I sold the business, when, you know, I remember that day when I sold it and uh, the first thing I thought was, oh, I can buy a double bed because we were still <laughs> sleeping on a piece of blue foam. Uh, it was happy. It was those five years when we were, when I was working and, and cancer, you know, when that curveball came into my life, that changed me. Obviously, I was 38 yeah. years old. Um, and then when I left the brand, that was the bit. So... I handed in my notice. Everyone tried to talk me around. No, 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 no. And I was I was completely sure I was making the right decision. The run up to the days as I was leaving, I knew I'd made the biggest mistake of my life. And I was the I didn't tell anybody. I was eaten up with regret. And I asked to be the last person to turn the key in the in the shop in Sloane Street and put the bottles and I sobbed 
and I sobbed and I sobbed. And I thought, what? And I was talking to myself thinking, what have you done? You know, you've walked away. And I realized that the business was not a job. It was my best friend. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'd spent day in, day out with this brand. And I walked away and I had five years of a lockout. And it was the most, um, that's where I suffered a terrible breakdown, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost my purpose. I lost my personality. I thought I would never be Joe again. And I just didn't know who I was. Um, but do I regret the sale? No. I sold to a really great company who I love them and I love what I did. So I don't regret any of that. But I would sell my company very differently today if I was in the same shoes. But Joe, can I then ask you sort of, I suppose, a deeper question? Because there are sort of, there's a really interesting thing, you know, and we're sitting... You know, I, I've sort of been such an admirer of you and your, what you've built in your brand. We're sitting in your lovely Joe Loves uh, space right now, just on Elizabeth Street in London. And we look at your packaging and we're very much the same. We focus on patch- packaging and all these things. And you, from what I can grasp, you know what you want. You're very good at that. You knew you never want to be in debt. And you spoke when you set up Joe Loves, uh, which is your brand now, um, you had a smell, which is called, I'm going to look at my notes now, it is, you had your first smell, which was uh, Pomelo. Pomelo? Yeah, Pomelo. Pomelo. And you thought, this is my smell, this is me again. You found your identity. Mm. But before you launched it, you know, you said, actually, no, I I want to change this at the very last moment. And that cost you, and I'm going to put the number out there, it cost you £100,000. And the rest, yeah. And the rest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so this is what's so interesting, right, is that even on the point of setting up that smell and starting a new brand, you were like, actually, wait, it's not right. But when you were at the point of realising that you made a big mistake on your last one, you still went through with it. Why did that teach you to not do things? So did that teach you that sort of, I suppose, regret that you had to realise, I'm only going to do something if I know I'm fully 100% right and I'm not going to do it otherwise? Do you see what I mean? Well, the name of this brand is Joe Loves. Mm-hmm. It's not Joe Likes or Joe Created. It's Joe Loves. If I and and I'm telling you, this brand is. I'm telling you life stories about. And if I'm not true and authentic to myself, the consumer will see that. The business would never last. It won't go global. I always set out from day one to build that second brand to be a global business. If I fell at that first hurdle and said no, that fragrance. And you know what? It was a good fragrance. It wasn't. It wasn't awful. It was a good fragrance, but there was something missing within it. And I knew that. And I got carried away with everybody in the in the team saying, okay, that's our deadline, that's our launch date. And I suddenly realized right at the last minute, I was I was sitting on a beach somewhere and it was like, I can't, I can't do this. And I looked over at my husband, who was reading a book at the time, and I went, We we can't launch the fragrance. And he literally nearly jumped off the sunbed. <laughs> and then we you, you have got to be joking. And I went, No, I'm really not. And um, we had to pull it all. And I went back and that fragrance is in the top three right the way across the world. Why? 
because if that hundred thousand pounds, although it and, it and listen, this business was funded with all our money, yeah, yeah, mine and Gary's money. So it was our money that we were. If it was a bank or something else, that decision may have had to be very different. Yeah. Um, but that you know that fragrance goes around the world now, and the reason it does is because we went. I went back. I've never ever allowed myself to be in that position again ever. It's so interesting because um, there's a guy called Ron Johnson who uh, launched all of the Apple stores for Steve Jobs, um, and he designed it and built them up. And I actually listened to a podcast the other day, um, him speaking. And he had he built the first Apple store. It was amazing. He brought Steve Jobs down there. Steve Jobs said, yes, it's great. We're going to open tomorrow. And Ron Johnson said, it's not ready. Mm. It's not ready. And Steve Jobs said, what do you mean? He said, it's, it's not ready. He said, we're launching tomorrow. He said, I, I, I don't think it's ready. <laughs> and they stopped it and they changed the whole thing. They changed the whole interior. And he still says, even though it cost them a fortune, all the things, his biggest, his biggest lesson was, unless you are ready to make something happen and you are able to change it, change it. Don't go through with it. So that moment is a bit like walking down the aisle. I've only done it once in my life, but that person that's standing on the other end that you say, I do, that is for life. Yeah. That's going to change your life. You make sure that as you walk down, you enjoy the moment of that launch. But when you say, I do, and it goes, that that is a relationship forever. So... You know, turning around and going, hold on a minute, I don't think this is this is the right thing. It's never great in the last 24. I, I've never been in that position again, ever, ever. And you know the red dot? Do you see the red dot? Mm -hmm. I, re I had these Ryman red dot stickers. So nothing, nothing in this company ever goes to the next level unless that red dot is there and I've signed it off. And with that may be a ribbon, a box, a bottle, the fragrance, and that ensures us that, and so my lovely Tess here, she'll say, where's the, has she red dotted it? Can't go to the next level. So and, that that, and that's our safety net Obsessive now. attention to detail almost. Totally obsessive. Yeah. It was, um, we, were, we had a, we took our team away last week with Candy Kittens and the theme was uh, good is the enemy of great. And when you were saying there that that yeah. fragrance was a good fragrance, but it perhaps wasn't great. And mm. we are trying as much as we can to kind of put our obsession of great into our team now, which can be quite difficult as well. It, it, but but it's it's what this world needs. It needs great, creative companies that aren't frightened of making mistakes. That's it. Exactly <laughs> that. Don't be afraid. And just focusing on identity for a bit, because, um, you know, what was so amazing about what you've created is not only did you make these smells which you were unique and you would have this nose to create different things going on and just fabulous stuff... You also were the first person that I think, you know, even my my mom says you were the first person to make packaging, yeah. and and uh, you know making it identifiable. You know, you said that you lost your identity, but your brands. You're know, looking at Joe Loves now. You look at Joe Loves, and you know that is your brand. And so identity to you oh, is thanks. so it is. It's true. Thank you know you. the red dot. It's like you know everyone mm. knows that's Joe Loves. How important is presentation? and packaging and identity of the brand as well as the product so your smell and things like that how important is that for you um well it's important to any brand to have identity but the world that we're living in today so this is a complete flip side for us at the moment as a brand when we started out with Jo Malone London we weren't living in the world that we are living today uh, there's a huge responsibility now today about packaging so you will see us as a company start to strip away and I'm telling you, it's one of the bravest things I think I've ever done is strip away everything that people know. Why? Because our world needs people to step back and look at packaging in a different way. We're going to hold one week in June, I think it is here, where we're going to be a packaging-free brand for a week. And I can tell how, you, how you that, that? that makes me sweat. Yeah, what do you mean packaging? So you're just, you're just taking everything away? We're going to, well... Well, no, obviously not everything. But, yeah, but, yeah, but, that wouldn't be a very good shop. Come, come with your little hands and I'll fill it with bath oil. Um, no, we're going to take away the boxes, the mm -hmm. bags, and we're going to replace them with something else for a week and we're going to see how that runs. We're going to start to um, shower gels and body lotions. Apart from uh, gift-giving seasons, we're going to start to strip that away. And we have to. Because, and we're looking at packaging the whole time. How can we bring... Because packaging is about theatre and entertainment. It's not 
But if you're going to take just something away, open it and throw it away, I mean, we just can't do that any longer. We're looking at plastics now that come from seaweed, from a seaweed ingredient that are biodegradable. Um, we're looking at sustainability. How do we, if we are taking from this world at a great, you know, great pace and as our brand grows, what are we giving back? Are we investing into beehives to ensure that that continues? Are we investing in tree planting? Um, and I have to say, my 18-year-old son challenges has challenged me in our business above and beyond anybody I have ever met. And I'm grateful and thankful and slightly resentful sometimes <laughs> when it when it takes so much hard work. But what's happened is our whole team has now started to look at luxury branding and packaging in, in, with different eyes. And you'll start to see us do some incredible, incredible things. Yeah. But Joe, you know, that's what's so amazing about you is that you you're constantly challenging. You're constantly yes. challenging the workplace. You're constantly challenging your own brand. And I think that's because you and life have faced so many challenges. Um, you know, when you were younger, you faced challenges. You know, when you were in your 20s, you faced challenges. And one of your biggest challenges was the fact that you were diagnosed with cancer. Mm. Um, and that for anyone, you know, I think everyone probably in this whole room knows someone or someone close to them or a friend who has been diagnosed or touched with uh, cancer how scary a time was that for you and how and you know also the point when you didn't you weren't even working from what I can remember you were kind of or maybe you were working but how how hard was that for you as a challenge well it was a life-threatening situation and my own I was 38 years old my son was um two when I was diagnosed and I was told that I had a limited amount of time to live and I had one of, you know, most aggressive forms of breast cancer. Uh, I, again, you can't be defined by other people's opinions even when they tell you your life will be over. And I remember going home that night and sitting, I was, um, I was due to go to this amazing black tie party and I remember sitting there thinking, oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to, I mean, it was just the most awful, awful moment in my life. And then I found my Joe head and I thought, no one's going to tell me when I'm going to die. And, <laughs> and I, and I found I, I became cross and angry. And I mean, you know what? Anger is not always a bad thing. It can sometimes motivate us and push us on. I went to New York to live for a year. I, I found a doctor that could help me. And um, I was, you know, I was one of the guinea pigs to take chemo every five to six days. I did the first course. It didn't quite work. I had surgery after surgery. I had double mastectomy. I lost all my hair. I mean, it was grueling uh, mm. and my body reacted uh, to chemotherapy very intensively. It took away my sense of smell. So, I mean, I so literally... you lost your identity yeah. again then? I, I, yeah. oh, I mean, I can remember sitting in a cafe, no hair. I had these um, tissue expanders in my chest and I couldn't smell. And this woman in New York moved tables because she thought I had something infectious. Oh, God. <laughs> and I went at her. I went and told her off um, where I found that sort of spirit. But anyway, looking at the, you know what? People face really terrible things in their life, losing somebody or having an illness. or um, And I just used to put one step in front of the other and think I will survive this. I, I will not let this take it from me. And coming through chemotherapy the scariest point was when I came through all the treatment and I came back because it was like now I have to live my life again and and that was part of the reason I left um I left home alone is I my sense of smell hadn't come back fully and of course six weeks after I left bang it came, it back. came back how cruel was that <laughs> but but it is but it's also you know you talk about um how when you were a child you would visualize you know your your sort of escape mm. from this place and you've always mm. visualized in life one foot in front of the other and i think that in life persistency is key it's the people who are persistent the ones who give up are the ones who actually mm. don't succeed what they want to succeed um and you've always had your faith and you've always mm. believed that and how important is faith to you I'd like to say I'm a, I'm a really loyal, faithful person. My faith is, it's like a heartbeat in me. It's like my moral compass. It's my hope. Um, when my husband was really, really, really poorly, um, he's, he's, by the way, he's one of the most faithful, good men I've ever met in my life and he was training to be a vicar when I met him and he would have been a great vicar <laughs> I would not have been a great vicar's wife but anyway that's a that's a tv show isn't it vicar Dibley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. um but I would go to church every day and I would sit there quietly and say please don't take him and um 
and I pass that church every single day when I walk to the office and I thank and I, I consciously thank God that I am alive, that he's alive, that our son is happy. You know, that's really what you want, isn't it, in your life is you want you want happiness, but you want fulfillment. But do you know something, going back to something you said, visualising something is a really important part. You make your dreams real. So I I visualise success. And I don't visualise having a Cartier watch on my my wrist or anything ridiculous like that. I don't believe in that for a second. But visualising your dreams and walking towards them. I used to visualise coming home to London. I would close my eyes and walk around my house in my mind and think I will be back there. When I'm doing a new product, like... We did a paintbrush. I'm sure you've painted yourselves with fragrance. And everybody said to me, that's just so gimmicky and no one will buy it. And I visualised the success of that product. I visualised, I knew what it would look like, where we would sell it, what I would do. That product today is changing my business. It's like my golden ticket. I visualise and the things I visualise are happening. So in your businesses and in your lives, visualise what it is you want and walk towards it because the only person who is responsible for making your dreams come true is you. I couldn't agree such more. such a good tip. It's such a good tip because, you know, in terms of sweets, you know, as a child, I used to sleep in the same uh, room as my brother. It's true. I used to sleep in the same room as my brother and I was scared of the dark. So he'd tell me stories of Jamie and Sweet World. And oh. so ever since a kid, I used to grow up and just dream of this world of sweets. And I remember, and, and, and when I went, to, I was sent to boarding school at eight years old, which I hated. Oh. But what made me happy was the fact that I would have these these thoughts about sweets and all these different things. And then lo and behold, you grow up and you, you, you know co-own a sweet company with Ed you know and that's sort of amazing you really visualize what you want to achieve and where you want to go and if you Mm. really believe it like you said the sort of material things watches things that cars don't visualize that visualize your dreams and what you really want to get Mm. to you know and then what's so interesting is that you know you you got through your cancer and you got through everything and then you decided to set up Joe Loves Um, and there's a few things with this that I want to firstly why did you decide to call it Joe again? Uh, Joe, not again, but decide to call mm. it Joe. And what is your opinion on retail versus online? Oh, okay. The first question That's is much, a deep much easier. <laughs> yeah. um, so in the beginning, when we set up, we looked at all kinds of different names. And I looked at what I was legally allowed to do. So obviously Malone is, um, and my married name is Wilcox. And that didn't ring, actually. <laughs> I was Wilcox yeah. with Sid. Yeah. It just wasn't quite quite there. But I could use Joe and I hadn't, I've never had a job. I've never built just like, it's like part of, I mean, this, this is part of me. I'm my soul. And we were looking at all these different names and, and actually my son one night at dinner, we were sitting there and he goes, oh, just call it Joe Loves because you love what you do. And as he said it, it was just like that light point. Bulb yeah, that light bulb moment out of the mouths of babes. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, Joe Loves was, was born that night around the kitchen table and she, does, it, it is, I'm telling you stories of things I love in life, moments, people, all sorts of different things. Going on to, uh, you can know, I Rick, just, can I just here? stop you there as well, which is so interesting because what I figured out from just chatting to you over the past, you know, hour or whatever it is, that it's so key. And I just really think that people should take this away from it is the fact that all, everything that you create is you. It's your identity. And you spoke about that loss of identity and you gained it back. And that is what is so important when setting up a brand. It has to be you. If it's not you, then you're not creating what you know. You're not creating what you want to do. You know, the reason why you do something, everyone says, I want to go and set up a brand and do these things because I want to make loads of money. No, do it because you absolutely fundamentally love what you're doing. And it's amazing that you did that. You know, you were thinking all these different names, but yeah, actually, and your son said it so truly. No, this is what you are. This is what you love. So do what you love and call it what you love. You look at all the great brands that are around our world today and ones that survive, I mean, from Coco Chanel to um, Apple to Gucci, um, you know, into the music industry, film industry, Harry Potter, all of those things, they're authentic. They're authentic. So I, so I think that word authenticity, not everyone is going to build a business that, that in the way that I do, um, but build them with authenticity and truth. So if it's about your dreams and your imagination, be truthful to those. Allow that and, and realise that creativity doesn't belong to you, never did. It just wants to be your best friend. And so creativity for me walks alongside me and whispers in my ear and says, 
how about an adventure? What do you think about? And off I go. I mean, Tess and I, the adventures that, that, that we have together when we go around the world and the people, and when you go off on an adventure, you don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know whether they're going to be part of your dream, your best friend, or just an hour of their time might change your world. You know, face life and go and look at it and realise that as you walk towards your dreams, you will you will travel adventures, you'll meet people, do things. And you'll. that's why you don't need a five-year strategy plan because you need the discipline of walking towards and making something happen. But don't plan every single day and every single minute because you'll miss, you'll miss it. I think that's such a brilliant way to think about it, Joe. And for those uh, listeners that we might have who are sat there now sort of just about to start out on that adventure, what's the best bit of advice you would give them? Surround yourself by people that you love and respect and tell you the truth. I think that's uh, uh, be responsible for your own dreams. So I have four words, um, which is achieve, <coughs> achieve, leave, conceive, believe. What is it you want to achieve? Who, what are your dreams? Who, who do you really want to be? In order for you to walk towards that, what do you need to leave on the table and walk towards that? Because there's always a sacrifice in any business. I'm yeah. sure you found that. Mm-hmm. Lots we of have. Times. Mm-hmm. What do you have to leave? I'm not talking about your family or your husband or your wife or your job. I'm talking about the physicality. What do you need to leave? Okay, once you're walking towards that, now, now you've got to put a plan together. You've got to conceive it. You've got to bring flesh to the bones. And once you've done that, you pick it up in your hands and you believe and you visualise what it is that you want to do. Amazing. And just really quickly, so we could just touch on it. What, I said it before, what is your, uh, what do you think about retail versus online? For people out there who are going, right, I want to go and set up a fragrance or set up, and I want to do it online or someone wants to buy a shop. What would you say to them? I grew up in bricks and mortar. It's what I know. It's what I'm really confident in. Online, I, I can't even switch a computer on. Uh, so online is a challenge, but even more challenging to sell a fragrance online. But that's where we go back to storytelling. You know what? The 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 great. It's great for a repeat purchase. For us, though, the challenge always has been how do we take online and make it? Because online can take you globally very quickly. You are, you can have one store, but you could be a global brand if you get online correct and right. But selling fragrance is a real challenge. But I have seen technology where um, there is technology out there that on your phone and your computer you'll be able to push a button in the near future and smell what it is. No. Yeah, no. it's there. Sci-fi movies. But <laughs> I think, Joe, what I, I, I find so interesting and so um, valuable having met you is that you know, you, you you said from straight away that okay, so you look at if you look at your life, your your mum was a, was a beautician, your dad was an artist. Um, and you took that creativity into your brand. You love telling stories. Your brand tells a story. The smells have a story mm. behind them. So everything that you have done in your life, you have put back into your brand. And that's it's your own story. And I think that is mm. so... God, I just can't explain and stress that enough to the listener, how valuable that is, that everything that you're experiencing in life, use whatever you're trying to create, because that's what you know. If you had to give one piece of advice that you've learned throughout your life, one thing to to someone, what would you say to them that your biggest piece of advice that you learned? Well, I, I, there's not one piece. I think, I think building a brand is 98% perspiration, 2% inspiration. You've got to, you've got to stick with it. You've got to, um, and take hold of it. Um, respect the currency of creativity. I think that, I think creativity, and I'm not talking about, you know, not having the discipline of creativity because you can't just keep creating and not bringing it you know, to the marketplace, but respect creativity and nurture creativity within your teams and your businesses, just like you're doing. And sh- and share, our, our stories are so powerful. They inspire, they innovate. Innovation and inspiration are best friends. They hold hands the whole, if you want to create, you need inspiration. So things like this podcast will go out and someone will be listening and it will change people's destinies mm-hmm. because they're inspired and they think, well, if she can do it, I can do it. And that that whole mindset is what changes the world. And I think that's what's so great is that we know that you're a big at is sort of um sort of you you encourage the younger generation to go and become entrepreneurs and follow their dreams and follow their passions. It doesn't matter where you are or where you live in the world, you can go out there and you can do it. And that's what Ed and I were big activists in that area. What is the future of Joe Loves? 
Well, um, it's, it's a global brand. I mean, today, uh, this year is a really important year for us. I, uh, we have some unbelievable things that have happened that will be shared this summer. Uh, she's a little springboard of creativity. I, I literally feel like this brand is taking off around the world. And I run at her and I jump like a springboard and it takes me into the most unbelievable worlds and relationships. But ultimately, what we lost our way a little bit, if I'm really honest, a couple of years, about, about two years ago. And uh, we stopped becoming storytellers and we started to just sell product. And I knew it was happening. And I pulled everything back and it was hard and it was tough. And I had to restructure almost everything that, that I knew. And I went back and I said, this brand is about storytelling. Do you know, the minute we did that, it all came together. And anyone listening uh, and sort of who, who thinks to themselves, you know, what is this woman really about? Do you know what? Come and visit us. We have a little tapas bar here. It's free of charge. We don't charge for it. And we serve you fragrance as though you're sitting in a tapas bar. If you want to feel creativity or inspiration, go and place yourself. I don't care where it is. Go and find inspiration for 21 days, 20 minutes a day. Just, just, just go do it consecutively. I give you my word that you will start to think creatively and it will become natural to you. So your business, your business problems will not become problems. They'll become, you'll find solutions really quickly because your brain will start to think in a really different fashion. So in order for the next generation to, to understand that entrepreneurialism is one of the greatest ingredients of life, we need to equip them. And young people are not being equipped with the ability to build. We need the national curriculum to change. Not at 15, 16 and 17 when they're leading, at seven year, five to seven years old. We need to have entrepreneurialism taught in every school across our country. And within five years, we will have a generation of people that leave school that know how to build. How great would that be? Amazing. Incredible. Joe. thank you so, so much. It's been amazing listening to your story this morning in this obviously beautiful smelling store. Um, we ask every guest as the final question before they leave us that if they could stop doing what they do today and start a new business tomorrow morning, what would it be? And what would yours be, Jo? Um, so my second, my, my great love is animals and I would go and work in conservation and protect the amazing elephant and rhino across our world. And I would do, I would be in khakis smelling like <laughs> elephant dung and I would re do everything I could to rescue those amazing, beautiful animals. Fantastic. Jay, thank you. Honestly, oh, I'm just going to go and create everything. I'm going to smell everything. Thank you so much for thank coming you, on the Jay. podcast. It means the world. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Ed, how do you feel about doing our first podcast? Super psyched. I'm, I'm loving it. I think I can get used to this. Are you inspired right now? Feeling so inspired. I mean, we started this to inspire other people, but so far it's inspired me. And if that's all we get, then we've won already. Also, what a great story. You know, Joe. like we said at the beginning, she had dyslexia. She was told she can achieve things or felt like she can achieve things. And she actually went out there and followed her dream. You know, who would have thought that, you know, the fact that she had a great sense of smell and she loved candles and all that. That actually, you know, her journey brought her to where she is today. So true. I mean, I think that it's those things in life that perhaps you don't instantly recognize as a business talent, but actually you can turn anything into a business. Think about what you love, think about what you're good at and, and, and build on that. You don't have to go and sit behind a desk and, and crunch numbers if that's not your thing. Do you know what the thing is, Ed? And everyone focuses on that dream of making cash, being cash rich. And so they will go and do any job because they think it will make them money. Go and follow your passion. Go and follow your dreams. Go and follow you, what you really want to do. Jo loved smelling. She had the great sense of smell. She loved candles. She went, she was a, you know, that's what she went into. You know, that's, and, and look how amazing she's done through that. That's what I really think is so inspiring about her. It's true. And also being willing to put up and, and work through those hard times as well. You know, Joe talked to us a lot there about some of the struggles, particularly in the early years. And she had that passion and vision of what she wanted to create, but wasn't naive enough to think, you know, this isn't going to come with some hard work. She put the hard work in, she put the effort in and clearly is reaping the rewards. Loved our first podcast. Can't wait till next week. 
Thank you so much for listening. Honestly, it really does mean a huge amount. And we also hope today's podcast has inspired you to move towards your dream or passion. Now, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a comment. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email us at move at moveclub.co.uk or follow us on Instagram at moveclub. Until next time, this is Move. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>